And now we're learning as a church what we ought to ask for when it comes especially to those whose spiritual state is lost, to those whose spiritual state is unsure, and to those whose spiritual state is saved. When it comes to those whose spiritual state is lost, we've seen from Paul's example that we need to pray exclusively that God would save them. When it comes to those whose spiritual state is unsure, we've learned from Paul that we need to pray that God in his mercy would bring them to repentance and restoration so that their spiritual state would be made sure. And then when it comes to those whose spiritual state is redeemed and saved, we ought to pray, as I introduced uh, last week, we ought to pray in relationship to two broad categories. We ought to pray for their personal needs, and we ought to pray for their relational needs. When we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and when we pray for ourselves, for that matter, we ought to pray for their personal needs, and we ought to pray for their relational needs. So, what are some of those personal needs that we should pray for when it comes to fellow believers? Well, last week, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-9, through 9, we learned that we ought to pray for their physical needs, to pray for, to pray for deliverance from physical affliction, if that should be God's will. Well, starting tonight, we're going to see how God calls on us to pray for our emotional needs as well. See, we are to come to God totally, and we are to come to God unreservedly, and we are to lay before the Lord in prayer everything that we are and everything that we need. Not only are we physical beings who need to ask God to provide for our physical needs, but we are also emotional beings. And we need to come to God to ask Him to help us and provide for our emotional needs as well. We ought to come to God with everything we have and everything we are. And God, in His all-sufficient Word, guides us in knowing, how, uh, guides us in knowing exactly how to do that. Over the next three weeks, we're going to see how to pray for each other in terms of our emotional needs. How to pray for each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they might acquire emotional, and I'll put it this way, emotional maturity, right? We as believers ought to be marked by emotional maturity. And so, towards that end, what we see throughout the pages of the New Testament is that Paul prays for three things regarding believers' emotions. He prays first for their emotional fullness. Then he prays second for their emotional firmness. And then he prays third for their emotional focus. And so, this is the second way that we can pray for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pray for our emotional maturity. That we would receive emotional fullness, firmness, and focus from the Lord. Tonight, we're just going to look at that first point, And that is to pray for emotional fullness. This comes from Romans 15.13. And this passage just opened up to me in an extraordinary way as I was studying this. But in Romans 15.13, Paul writes these words. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We're not even going to barely see a fraction of that verse tonight, but it is glorious nonetheless. How we are called on here to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they would receive from God the gift of emotional fullness. But before we begin, let's ask the Lord to help us understand his word tonight. Let's, let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we acknowledge tonight our great need. 
Father, we confess that unless Your Spirit is at work in this moment, everything we do is vain, empty, and meaningless. Father, I pray that You would accompany the feeble teaching of Your Word tonight with power and conviction and understanding and faith so that we might understand the things that have been freely given to us from You. Father, I pray that You would help us to examine ourselves, every element of ourselves, and hold it up next to the light of Your truth so that we might be able to honor and glorify Jesus Christ in this world. Father, teach us once again tonight that we are but dust and that we must rely upon You to hold us together and sustain us even in our inner man. Give us grace towards this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I said before, this is Paul praying for the Roman believers that they would experience emotional fullness. Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you. With what? And then he mentions all these emotions. With joy, with peace, and at the end of the verse, with hope. Paul prays that these believers would experience emotional fullness. And before I get started, I just want all of us to appreciate how needed a passage like this is for our day and for our time. We live in a world that is experiencing emotional emptiness marked by despair. According to a new study conducted over the last five years by Columbia University and City University of New York, a study released just this past week, nearly one in ten adult Americans are suffering from severe depression accompanied by suicidal thoughts, as well as one in five teenagers today. As health officials were looking at the results of this study, they were announcing this week that depression has reached epidemic levels amidst the most medicated society in the world. We live in a world that is emotionally drained, empty, and struggling with despair. And if we're not careful, we can slide into that same kind of spiritual emptiness as well. David did. As he wrote in Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Listen to this. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So David experienced emotional emptiness. He experienced emotional weariness. He experienced emotional despair. And so where did David turn? You see in the very next verse there in Psalm 63, verse 1, he turned to God in prayer. And that's exactly what Paul does here when he asks that the God of hope would fill them full with all of these emotions of joy and peace and hope. Now for some, some context before we begin, we need to ask ourselves this question first. Why is this prayer here? Why does Paul pray this prayer? Why does he pray for this, for this emotional fullness? And the exciting answer that I've never seen before and still studying it tonight, is this emotional fullness that Paul prays about here is the prophesied purpose for our salvation. That's why he prays for it. God saves us. Listen to this. God saves us so that we who believe the gospel would manifest the emotional fullness and fulfillment that comes through Jesus Christ. Look at this, back in verse 9 of Romans chapter 15. 
Paul says in the previous verses of this verse that Christ came to show God's truthfulness in this way. Verse 9, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, O you, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and in him will the Gentiles hope. All of those prophecies that Paul has just quoted keep on saying the same thing over and over and over again. When the Messiah comes, the Gentiles who believe in him will become marked by worship, praise, singing, rejoicing, exaltation, and hope. Right? This is the prophesied purpose of their salvation. This is one of the ways that the world will know that the saving Messiah has indeed come. The Gentiles will become marked by the emotional fullness that accompanies salvation. In light of all of those prophecies, that's why Paul prays in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Right? Paul is praying that you and I would exalt Jesus Christ by manifesting the emotional fullness that accompanies salvation. This isn't, and that's, I wanted to point that out because this isn't about us, right? Paul doesn't pray for emotional fullness because the biggest thing in this world is our emotional satisfaction and stability. That's not why he prays this. He prays because the biggest thing in this world is exalting and honoring and glorifying Jesus Christ so that all the world would know that he is the Messiah, the one sent from God. And how do we show the world that he is indeed the Messiah? By exhibiting the emotional fulfillment and fullness that comes from salvation in him. That's what Paul is saying here. And it is powerful. This is ultimately about Christ and demonstrating the salvation that's found in him. So let's look at that emotional fullness tonight. Let's look together at the source of that fullness, the substance of that fullness, the system of that fullness, and the scale of that fullness. So first, the source of emotional fullness. Paul says this, May the God of hope. That is the source. Notice, when Paul recognizes the need for those believers to begin to demonstrate emotional fulfillment and fullness for the sake of Christ and the gospel, where does he turn? He turns to God. And I mean, I could just park on that for a while, but that's where we need to turn to as well. When we are experiencing emotional emptiness, weariness, and despair, where is the first place that we must turn? We must turn to God in prayer. We must turn to God. Why? Because, as Paul says here, he is the God of hope. And our God is the God of hope for two reasons. For two reasons. One, because he's the source of our hope as believers. Paul says back in verse 4 of Romans chapter 15 that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that through the endurance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So notice where does our hope come from from that verse? It comes from God's word. And what does God's word reveal? God's word reveals to us the character and person of our God. 
That's why Paul talks about in the very next verse, verse 5, about the God of endurance and encouragement. And then later in verse 33 of this chapter, the God of peace, right? Endurance, encouragement, peace, hope, all of these things are made known to us and imparted to us. How? Through the Scriptures. Because it is through the Scriptures that God reveals to us Himself. As we come to know and trust in Him, all of these things like endurance and encouragement and peace and hope, as we come to know and trust in Him, all of these things begin to spring out of us. Because God is the source of all hope. Second, God is the God of hope because He is the object of our hope. God is the object of our hope. What is the hope of every believer? It is God Himself, is it not? In Lamentations, you study Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah is absolutely torn and stricken with grief over Israel's spiritual state, though he has ministered among them for decades. And yet, where does his hope still lie? Is he devastated? Yes. But does he have hope? Yes, because Lamentations 3.24 says this, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. And again, the psalmist Asaph in Psalm 73 was wrestling through some pretty dark circumstances. And yet, what was the object of his hope? Psalm 73, 25-26 says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, God is our source of hope, and God is our object of hope. He is why we have a confident expectation about the future. Because He is a God that inspires and produces hope by His very character. He is the God of hope. And that's why we should turn to Him during our times of emotional emptiness and weariness. Because the source of emotional fullness is God. Now let's consider the substance of emotional fullness. Paul prays this, may the God of hope fill you with what? He says all, joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in what? Hope. Paul prays here that those Roman believers would experience emotional joy, peace, and hope. Now what do those words mean? There's a lot I could say, I'm going to keep it as simple as possible tonight. Joy could be defined this way. Joy is a positive disposition. It is a positive disposition grounded in the person and promises of God. That's joy. It's a positive disposition. What is peace? Peace is a settledness of spirit. It is a settledness of spirit grounded in the person and promises of God as well. So that's peace, a settledness of spirit. And then what is hope? Hope is a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation that is grounded in the person and promises of God also. (laughs) So that is joy, that's peace, and that's hope. Joy is a positive disposition. Peace is a settledness of spirit. And hope is a confident expectation. And all of those are emotions that arise from knowing and believing the person and promises of God. That is why Paul prays that we as believers should have these emotions. Because we should. We should. Believers should not be known as negative people, as Debbie Downers, as people who are experts at seeing the dark side of everything, as if we were born during an eclipse, right? We ought to be marked by hope, by a positive disposition. Why? Because we know the person and promises of God. 
Second, believers shouldn't be marked by constant anxiety. We shouldn't be marked by constant agitation of spirit. We shouldn't be marked by constant anger. We ought to be marked by peace, a settledness of spirit. Why? Because we know the person and promises of God. And then third, believers shouldn't be marked by doom and gloom outlooks on life. Right? We of all people ought to be marked by hope, a confident expectation about what the future has in store. Why? Because, I'm repeating myself multiple times, because we know the person and promises of God. And that is what makes all the difference. That is what makes all the difference. We as believers are to be marked by joy, peace, and hope because this is the substance of emotional fullness that accompanies genuine salvation in Christ Jesus. So we've seen the source of emotional fullness and we've seen the substance of it. We've seen it described. Now let's consider the system of emotional fullness. In other words, let's ask ourselves the question, how do we develop emotional fullness, right? When I am lacking in it, how do I grow in it? Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? Two very important words. In believing. So that by what? The power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And that second phrase explains the first. How can we ever come to believe in the promises and purposes of God? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So notice, God fills us with all joy and peace, and he fills us with this emotional fullness. How? In believing. That is how emotional fullness and fulfillment is developed. It's developed through faith in God's promises. When we receive, to put it this way, when we receive the promise of God's word into our hearts by faith, when it is planted into the soil of our hearts, and we embrace God's promise by faith, what grows out? What grows out is is joy, and peace and hope. That's what grows out of the heart that has received God's promises by faith. Joy, peace, and hope. Joy, peace, and hope is the fruit of supernatural, spirit-empowered faith. Emotional fullness comes through receiving the word of God by faith. Paul hints at this, by the way, over in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, if you just want to cross-reference when he writes this, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God. And then he says this, which is at work in you believers. And you could do a whole study on what God's word is working in us to produce. But from here, we find out that three of the things that God is working to produce in us through his, through his word is joy, peace, and hope. In other words, emotional fullness. This is the system of emotional fullness. It's faith in the person and promises of God. And by the way, this is very helpful for us. Because that means when we are struggling with emotional dryness and weariness, we can ask ourselves these helpful diagnostic, diagnostic questions, right? What am I doubting right now? What truth or promise am I not holding fast to that I need to be? Because joy and peace and hope come through what? Through believing. And it also tells us where we need to turn. When I am dealing with a lack of this in my life, what must I do? Turn to God's word and build up my faith. 
remind myself once again of who my God is and what he has promised me. Because the system of emotional fullness is believing the promises of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, just note, I have to finish up, (laughs) the scale of emotional fullness. Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with what? Some joy and peace here and there and everywhere, right? No, all joy and all peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may what? Squeak by on hope. Nope. (laughs) Abound in it. Literally abound in hope. So that you would be doing more than just okay holding on to hope, but that you would be exceedingly, abundantly abounding in hope. This is the scale of emotional fullness put before us. And, this, and there is the hope. No matter what we're dealing with, no matter what discouragement or dryness or weariness we are wrestling with in our heart, there is a promise laid out for us that if we will turn to God's Word and cling to Him in faith, there is enough, there is enough grace and power that can, from God that can give us all that we need, all the emotional fullness and fulfillment that we need. All joy and peace in believing. Abounding in hope. This is the scale of emotional fullness. Don't sell God's provisions short. Grab hold. And like Jacob say, I will not let you go till you bless me just as you have promised. And he has promised to give you all joy in the midst of your discouragement, all peace in the midst of your anxiety, all hope in the midst of your despair. This is the scale of emotional fullness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've seen this throughout First Peter, haven't we? I mean, we start, you have been born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It has been given to you. That's our destination, a living hope. And we want our emotions to reflect that reality. Why? So that when people ask us for a reason for the hope that is in us, we can answer, I have hope, and it is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, in knowing his person and knowing his promises. And you know what? It's a fight, and I get that. Right? That's why this prayer is given. That's why we ought to be praying for each other because we need God to give us emotional fulfillment. And it only comes from the Lord. It is the only thing that protects us. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says this, For since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I think of um, when my boys want to go out and ride their bikes, right? What are the things I always tell them to do? Put on a helmet, right? Because... I just know you're going to go out there and something's going to happen and you're going to take a tumble and you better have that helmet on otherwise you're going to get severely hurt. It's exactly the same way it is for us. We live in a fallen world. There are so many things that are wanting us to give over to despair and discouragement and we better every day put on the hope of the gospel so that our thoughts and our minds can be protected in Christ Jesus. We need a helmet, the hope of salvation. We don't want to be marked by negativity as believers and agitation or despair. We want to be marked by joy. 
We want to be marked by peace. We want to be marked by hope, by the emotional fullness that accompanies salvation so that all the world might see that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And you know one of the ways we achieve that is by clinging fast to each other, excuse me, clinging fast to the Word of God by faith and by clinging fast to each other in prayer. We need God's Word and we need God's people. And so let's pray in that regard. Let's pray for the emotional for emotional fullness, for the glory of God and the honor of Jesus Christ.